Welcome to this week's episode of A Question of Code. This week, we're joined by Amber Wilson. Um, she's a front-end engineer at N26 um, uh, with three years' experience in the industry and interested in lots of things to do with the web. Um, she's really interested in accessibility, security, performance, and also loves drawing, cycling, reading, and learning from other people. Amber, welcome. Thank you. So we mentioned uh, N26, which is where you work at the moment. Um, what what is your role there? What sort of development are you doing? I am working in a team of three web developers. And in total, there are just a handful of developers, at the front-end developers at the company. And when you ask what we work on, or what I work on, uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, we've had some debates about this among us developers. And uh, we've sort of come to the conclusion that it's definitely hard to define i think it's always what i'm talking about is is sort of what we call ourselves so what is a front-end developer what is a front-end engineer we kind of wanted to define ourselves as that because we are not only working with what you would maybe traditionally think of as front-end development sort of the html css javascript stack but also uh, some middlewares as well so uh, GraphQL is one of them, uh, using that with uh, a complementary library called Apollo. And we are also um, dealing with a lot of uh, REST endpoints as well. Does that answer the question? It does answer the question. It sounds a lot like the distinction between the, the, the front of the front and the back of the front, which I've heard some people talk about before. Like there's Right, the, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I wrestle with the same thing as well. I mean, I spend I think of myself as a, a front-end developer who writes HTML and CSS, but then I think, like, when was the last time I spent a whole day just doing HTML and CSS? And that was, it was a very long time ago. I, it's, it's rare that I get to, to play with CSS these days, it feels like. So it almost was like the, the labels don't fit anymore. Right. And I totally don't want to come across as, like, an expert on naming of course, everyone knows naming things is the hardest thing in web development, full stop. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks. Um, and, and so I, if, I, if I get this right, you've, you've had three years experience now in the industry, and I'm, I, I'm assuming that's not what you've maybe always done. Um, could you tell us about what, what made you decide that you wanted to become a web developer? That is a really good question. Uh, I've always had an interest in building things, creating things. And I was building websites um, from when I was 10 years old and onwards, uh, teaching myself Photoshop, using Neopets, MySpace to design things, things like that. When it came to um, choosing what I was going to do for a career, I basically had no idea. So I just went for what I was interested in. And I ended up doing a psychology degree and it was really fun. Definitely don't get me wrong. It was really fun. And I learned tons, really enjoyed it. When, uh, the, the turning point came for me when I sort of realised that there wasn't really a path I wanted to go on with psychology anymore. Um, there's nowhere where I really wanted to um, progress in that, in that career. So around the same time, I had been hearing a lot about and reading a lot of articles written by people who had become developer in six months or, or nine months or 
three months even. <laughs> like, wow. And what I did was, I was lucky actually. I, I moved to Bryson in the UK. And it turns out that Brighton has a really terrific web development community and I uh, discovered something called Codebar. Uh, I went there for the first, the first time I went there, I was really blown away. Uh, the organizers were amazing. The location was amazing. It was a tech office. It was, <laughs> it was uh, very shiny to me. It was, it was nice. <laughs> The hosts were nice and I spent two hours sort of refreshing the HTML that I'd been learning on and off since I was about 10. And from then on, I went uh, once a week, every week um, for the next nine months. I say nine months, nine months it took between going to my first code bar and getting my first position as a web developer, as an intern. That's incredible. That's a brilliant turnaround. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I mean, it took me two oh, years. <laughs> <laughs> took me took me two years to to pluck up the courage to actually apply to a job, because <laughs> I I used to be a teacher um, at yeah. secondary school in London, um, and then yeah, I did go to like meetups and stuff, but I never really had like I know Tom helped me, but um, I never really had any like one point where I kind of like regularly go to something so it sounds like the code bar is like a really good place for like keeping your foot in with maybe like you see similar people week after week and they can help you and they know you and and can help you grow as you go along yeah definitely this is the point really for me um I'll always talk about how having this sort of close-knit community of people just helped me more than I thought it would um like seeing the same people all the time getting the encouragement and at the same time, really lucky meeting a good mentor in the middle of the journey towards becoming a developer. Oh, should we dive into that? Because that's, I think that's what we're going to be, going to be the main thrust of our of our chat today is uh, mentoring. Because um, we've we've talked about it before, but we we've talked about yeah. it very much in the abstract. Like, oh, it's it would be great to get a mentor, and <laughs> you should really do it if you can. Um, what's it like on the other side of that as someone who's who has found one and has has benefited from it? I think having having a mentor is important or maybe not so because having a mentor like a mentor is hard to define it could be um, defined a number of ways it could be just one person it could be like a, a formal thing or more of an informal kind of friendship type thing but I think the important part of it for me was that I was set regular tasks and um given things to read and at the end of a certain amount of time say a week or two weeks um I would have been expected to sort of do that task and have read the things and then I would get feedback on what I'd learned and done and that was hugely motivating really really important for me at the beginning I think that's a much more structured arrangement than we've um, covered in the past. That sounds daun- oh. sounds daunting. That's, that's <laughs> like going to going to school all over again. That's <laughs> I know, right? I absolutely didn't feel any pressure. There, there was there was definitely no pressure, and I was I think I was just enjoying it so much um, at the time. Just 
didn't definitely didn't feel like work. So uh, what other sort of mentoring styles have you come across in the past? The main one for me has always been like a, a senior colleague who will take me under their wing and show me the ropes. I mean, originally it was, I had a, I'd, I had a friend who was willing to let me basically sit on his shoulder while he coded websites and I just watched for fun. Almost like other people would go and like watch someone else play a video game or something. It was that kind of vibe. <laughs> but then in, in in the work scenario, it's been just senior people taking time out of their day to, to point you in the right direction and say, oh, we're doing something new. Come and have a look at this interesting thing that we're doing and see it like making the effort to rather than just have you do prescribed um, like work tasks to say this is something that will be really good to l- like this will expand your knowledge. It feels like maybe that would fill the same role as your like having being given assignments almost, but it's yeah, much more ad hoc, much less um, formal. And I, the other the other side of it is n- knowing someone who's in the career that you just maybe meet for a coffee every now and again, or is there at the end of an email to to answer questions, but unwilling to do so to to kind of serve that mentor role. Um, Ed, you've had some experience with slightly more organized like i don't know through an app kind of is that right <laughs> through well, it's not, not really through an app uh, it's a website exorcism um and it's it's not real I, I don't know if it's mentorship but it's just people helping you with coding challenges but you don't you don't get you kind of you change the person you're with every like every task you do so i guess it's like getting the tasks but like uh, just a random person on the internet that wants to help will just come and help for each of those and it's just over text it's not you don't speak about it i guess tom you've kind of been a mentor to me uh i would i used to throw stuff at tom and he'd go oh that's rubbish change it <laughs> um i don't think you can get a so more that, brutal mentor than an older brother can you that's that's pretty no, tough yeah. but yeah i did i did learn a lot from you pointing me it's like there's so much stuff out there isn't it it's um, what a mentor can be really helpful for is pointing out the like there's a hundred tutorials out there a mentor could say oh, i focus on this one or have a look at this because these these will provide the most value right exactly oh it's so interesting hearing um hearing uh, your sort of different experiences uh, either being a mentor or having one yeah it just sort of reinforces my belief that it's um it doesn't really matter what form the mentorship takes it sort of always comes back to having someone there who you can sort of uh feel safe to ask questions and know that um they will be there to be honest with you if you're doing something a bit a bit crap yeah well that's what you lack when you're like self-guided learning and and studying at home and building websites in your free time and just getting getting there any way you can you can spend days and weeks and months in blind alleys that just the right bit of wisdom at the right time could have uh, helped massively with yeah exactly exactly i i 100 percent agree but on the other side i don't want new developers or people who are thinking of becoming developers to necessarily feel super pressured to to um to find someone and think to themselves oh if i don't find someone to mentor me then never going to make it or I'm going to be a terrible developer forever. I think just, you know, at the times where I felt the most imposter syndrome, thinking that I'm just terrible at everything or feeling down about some work I've done, I think just um, having someone there just to sort of bounce off of 
I mean, it's like everyday life. <laughs> if you feel bad about something, you you find someone to bounce off of and they they give you an, a nice objective perspective of things and you feel better. So it's more about that, really. I mean, I honestly think that I wouldn't have gotten as far in my career as quickly, personally, if I hadn't had sort of the big support group, the support network, and um, obviously the mentorship definitely helped as well. But if I'm honest, it was it was more of the support network and having people who I can actually call genuine friends who, who I saw regularly and like who genuinely cared about my progress and what I was up to. That was, that was really important for me. So this um, like coding network then, is that, is that, um, is it all at, at, at arranged events? How is it? Is it face to face? Is it on, in, on, in forums or something or? I'm mostly talking about uh, the community uh, within Codebar. Mm-hmm. Um, um, up until now, I'm still good friends with many of the people I met there, even like some of the senior developers. I never really sort of looked for so much of a community or a mentor online so much. But um, Ed, I did hear that that was successful for you. So there's, even though I didn't go that route so much, I would fully believe that um, uh, it can help some people. Yeah, and I guess it's it's different for all sorts of different people, isn't it? In terms of people learn in different ways, people uh, have relationships with other people in different ways. Like you're going to find something hopefully that's what what is good for you. Um, so like mine was online. I wasn't necessarily looking for a single person, um, but it's like sounds like you had one person who who helped guide you through. But then I suppose, like you said earlier, that, that doesn't really matter as long as in the end of the day, it's actually helping you progress. Yeah, exactly. This is inspiring stuff. Yeah, one of the things we're we're, lear- we're learning more as we do this project and speak to more people is that ugh, almost everyone's path is unique. Everyone's coming from a different yes. direction, and yes. a lot of, you could look at a kind of. It's easy to stereotype developers when they're sat there with their, their laptops in <laughs> working away, but every all of them seem to have come from completely different walks of life and into into it in a different manner and with different methods of learning. Yeah, I I've met <laughs> so many people with so many different paths. So you're totally right, uh, and everyone has just been super lovely. And everyone just has this this sort of hunger to learn and this optimism and enthusiasm. And it's, it's just, it's really great. I do often wonder if that's specific to our industry as well. I've um, uh, sort of know quite a few lawyers and doctors, and it seems a lot more cutthroat, particularly the legal world. Like when you're learning, there's a lot of competition for things. No one, everyone's got secrets and no, there's, there are a lot of gatekeepers. Whereas my experience of, of learning the web as a completely untrained novice is that there are so many people out there wanting to share what they've got and how they got there. Yes. And that, that definitely reminds me of studying psychology at a university versus becoming a web developer. So, um, I mean, I was 
it was basically drilled into us, uh, the psychology students, all throughout our university careers that we wouldn't get anywhere without a degree. Um, you know, we <laughs> to, to get anywhere, you'd need to have, you know, a solid three-year bachelor, a master's degree, a doctorate, and things like this. And I think one of the really attractive things about learning web development for me was not only did I know that I really, really enjoyed that stuff regardless, um, I really, really loved learning and the chance to sort of learn on my own terms and, you know, um, not have grades assigned to things and not have you know, people I'd never met assigning me these grades and, and things like that. Um, knowing that the amount I learned was on me. If if I learned less, then I would be slightly less good at writing this bit of HTML. Or if I learned more, I'd, I'd be better. Do you know what I'm getting at? It's, it's like... You could see your progress. Like, yeah. You can really get a sense of like moving forward with every little bit that you do. Yeah, and you're you're completely yeah. responsible for your own progress, aren't you? It's not if you're teaching yourself to code, no one's essentially no one's checking in on you to make sure that you've done a task this week. It's all it's all down to you. So then, whatever you can do at the end of it is you you know that you've done that yourself. That's that's your self motivation. That's your time that you've spent to get there. Yeah, it's a different kind of motivation learning web development as it is studying psychology or for for another degree i'd be interested to hear a bit more about what happens at code bar because you've kind of mentioned it a couple of times now and it sounds like a really interesting place or so I'd, firstly how did you find out about it and secondly kind of how, how does it work what goes on right so i found out about it by doing a google search i typed brighton <laughs> coding workshop i'm pretty sure it was the first result that came up so I clicked on it, uh, signed up, nice and easy, um, got an invite, and then went along, and that was it. Fantastic. Did you feel any any nerves about going or anything, or did it seem like quite an approachable sort of place? Uh, I don't think I felt too nervous, because um, I don't know what reassured me of this, but I was I was sure that I didn't have to be under any pressure it was I mean to me it was a meetup if if I felt good there I would stay never didn't I would just leave and I wouldn't feel guilty about it oh that's great so so what sort of things go on at Coba is it sounds like you that's where you found your mentor is is that the sort of thing that happens that is a good question I'm not sure how often that kind of thing happens I mean when I went there there were just many many different students some some regular some not so regular um i'm not sure if any of them really sort of developed any sort of mental relationship with any of the developers they they learned from or spoke to um and for my mentor i think i was just in the right place at the right time and at that point in time he wanted to try out being a mentor he said he had no idea how to be one he just wanted to try it so <laughs> yeah I had no idea who he was he he gave me a book of his I had no idea it was his book 
uh, I was like, oh, free book, cool. First, first <laughs> web development book. And I think I didn't even figure out it was his book until a few weeks later. So, <laughs> so it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a f- an organised part of the code bar. Then it wasn't like sign up here to to be assigned a mentor. <laughs> it was no, it was just a, no. a more organic thing than that. Yeah, code bar is a. Uh, it's quite a simple concept, really. I think maybe that's what attracts people to it. Basically, you can you can come along as a student. There's no pressure um, to do anything or even speak to anyone. <laughs> you can go there and work on your own thing if you want in a, in a corner or, yeah. But um, basically, it's students and uh, coaches. And um, if you want to learn something, say something to do with JavaScript, uh, you can let the organizers know and then they will help pair you up with a coach who can teach you what you want to learn. And, um, it's, it's a hugely successful uh, model. I think, um, I say that because it's sort of been growing and growing ever since I, I went there for the first time. And now there's many more chapters around the world. And, um, when I became a, an intern, when I got my first web developer job, I stopped being a student there and I started to help organize it. Um, and then I left Brighton to move to Berlin and found out that there was a chapter here as well that had just been sort of rejuvenated. And uh, then I now I'm helping organize that one. I have been for the last two years. So that point where you transitioned from just sort of being a, well, yeah, learning to getting your your first internship position did that come directly out of um your code bar experiences or through your mentor or was that you were also looking for things like that alongside in, in a different form i was i was also looking for uh, opportunities outside of code bar and and the mentorship yeah it turns out that there was um sort of something like a job fair um, I did hear about that from another code bar student, so there was that link there. But um, I went along, didn't really know what to expect. I printed off a few copies of my CV. I'd made my CV all nice, or at least what I thought was nice. <laughs> and I spoke with. It was a nice environment, and I spoke with a few people there. And where I got my internship, they I think they weren't technically hiring. Uh, for an intern but I had a nice chat with them and I think maybe one of their heads or maybe the head of front-end development was there I can't remember but uh, he said oh why don't you just come in for an interview you know and just just for a chat so even though they weren't technically hiring for an intern they uh, they ended up sort of being impressed with the work I'd done at Code Bar and I think by that point I'd given making my own website a go and I seemed really enthusiastic. So they said, yeah, yeah, come on board. Um, I th- I think the case was they hadn't really had an intern before and they, they sort of wanted to try it out. So um, I think that's definitely some advice I would give to people looking for their first job is just try every avenue you can really like, because I, I got a job somewhere where they weren't even hiring for my position. Yeah, sometimes the best jobs aren't even advertised anywhere either. You, right. if, yeah, you've got there's a 
kind of a hidden level beneath what you can just Google for when you look for job openings that is there, um, but needs to yeah. be needs a little bit of extra effort and to find. And you're only going to succeed there if you have if you can demonstrate that enthusiasm, like you said. I think that's the stuff that impresses people, um, right? Showing a passion for what it is that you do. It's sort of how I got my second position as well. Um, so on top of Code Bar and some other meetups and the mentorship, I also try to go to a lot of conferences um, and me along with other Code Bar students were sometimes offered lower price or even free tickets, which was brilliant. Um, and the people I met at these conferences, I can also still count on as friends and for my second position, I ended up meeting the head of front end of a company in Berlin. And it wasn't until half a year later when I was looking for a new position that um, he was like, oh, why don't you, why don't you come to Berlin? Oh, just, just as you do. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, this thought didn't scare me so much because I'd lived in Germany before and I, and Berlin as well, and I really like it. Um, and the company was well known, and I thought, yeah, that's that's going to be really, really interesting. So, so I went for it. Um, so yeah, that was how I found my my second my second job by sort of by, by networking. And I, I don't really want to sort of push networking as you know, essential or anything, because not everybody wants to do that, to, to do that. Um, but that's, that's my experience. Mm, seems just by like getting out there and interacting with other people, even though that's something that maybe I I wouldn't feel necessarily comfortable, well, I do it, but I don't feel particularly comfortable when I'm doing it. Um, but it is, it is really useful for finding out what's going on and, and, getting in touch with other people and hearing about jobs that you maybe wouldn't have heard about otherwise. Yeah, it can be, but yeah, it's definitely only one avenue. Like I don't want to siphon all new developers into this one, that this is the, like the only way you can do it. But yeah, I just, yeah, I just want to talk about my experience. Um, you say Ed, that you didn't find a job right away. Do you mind if I ask how, you got your first position? Um, I, I just, I found a web, well, it was a company suggested to me, but I, I, I didn't know anyone at the company, but I, I just applied to it and then got an interview and got the job. It's, we're in Cornwall and there's maybe, what would you say, Tom? There's not that many large companies, large tech it's companies only la down Large here. tech companies is <laughs> a very, like, a handful, quite literally. Um, yeah. yeah. One, one thing I've discovered over the last few years is that I, when I first started, I had no visibility of the industry in, in our local area at the time. And and I just assumed, I found one company that was making websites. I thought, oh my, wow, there's a company making websites in Cornwall. Wow, these must be unique. And then slowly <laughs> you, you sort of build that network and realize that there are, actually there's, there's yeah dozens and dozens of companies that are in the tech sector in an area where I previously thought there would be none. Um, okay. So, yeah. So that, yeah, that that's that level of, 
like we were saying about the jobs might not necessarily be advertised in the places that you're looking. So having some kind of yes. exposure to the wider community through a code bar or, or, or something similar really sort of taps you into a network that you would otherwise have been completely unaware of. Yes. And like something I would want um, new front end devs or people looking for their first um, dev job to know is that something really great about uh, developers is that they always encourage each other and they sort of, they, they always want the best for each other. It's like, I kind of sometimes compare it to other careers where maybe um, helping those below you may affect you, but like being a developer, it's kind of like a, like a, a mutual thing. You, you end up giving to each other and not really having to take anything away, if that makes sense. So what I like, long story short is that senior developers, they, they want junior developers to succeed. And if, if they come across any leads or any positions, um, that they have heard of and you may not have, then in my experience, they've always been more than happy to share. Um, and they've always been absolutely ecstatic when you, you know, you get your first position or you get a position that you've really wanted and they couldn't be happy for you. And it's, that's really nice. Yeah. There's a sense that it's not a zero sum game like it is in some, some industries. It feels like there's no one is worried about putting like, Oh, they can't, the person below me can't succeed too much because that's going to take away from my success. That doesn't seem not, I haven't ever come across that in, in tech. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. You, 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 you explained it better than I could. Oh no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's that, it, that by, te- by helping other people, you're also, you're learning so much more. I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like even on exorcism, I, I became a mentor and started helping people. And you, you see the different ways that people learn things and people nice. always learn things in different ways or like approach problems in different directions from you. Um, so yeah. you can always learn something from people who don't necessarily know as much as you at that time totally totally and um like being a more experienced developer you may have forgotten you know the smaller details of how to do something and if you get reminded by a newer dev that could be great really great refresher Mm. and you reminded me of something so at code bar we have coaches and i was always so surprised by how coaches would just be so regular they would come back every week again and again and I was always thinking wow like they must have full-time jobs they must have other responsibilities I can't believe they put so much time into you know coming here and giving their time away and not getting paid and um so I, I did ask a few of them like oh why why do you come so regularly what do you get out of it and um they basically we're just saying the things that you were just mentioning. Um, it's teaching something is first of all, like a great way to know if you actually truly understand it. And it's, it's when you find out that you do understand it, it's probably a really good feeling <laughs> for a coach. Um, that's just one of the things I think they, they, like I said, they, they love seeing students succeed uh, over time and, 
And I think I think that's the same with mentorships as well, isn't it? I guess a lot of people might be scared of approaching someone to ask if they will help them regularly, but that that the mentor is maybe also well, the mentor is also going to get something out of that relationship because um, they'll be learning as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally understand if a if a, a new developer or a junior developer or, or anyone who wants to approach someone um, for, for help or to be their mentor. I can see that's a really uh, daunting thing. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't you don't want to take away this person's time or or be annoying or oh jeez. Yeah. But like you said, it's um even if the mentor wouldn't realize that at the time, they would they would get a lot out of it as well. Yeah, exactly. I I I sent an email to someone once asking not necessarily to be a mentor but just for some help and I spent out like basically an hour writing this email so that I used up as little of their time as possible and I was really worried when I sent it and then they came back with an email that was like three times as long as mine so it was uh, it's always worth just having a go reaching out um people might say no which is fine but I don't think people need to be scared of actually trying yeah definitely one thing that ties into all the the things that we've been saying about sort of how friendly the environment is in tech is probably if you reach out to someone the worst that's going to happen is they'll either your message will get lost in the in the stream of, of a million emails, or they might say, "Oh, no, thanks, I don't have time, sorry." But then I don't think anyone, certainly no one I know, and I don't think anyone that I've come across in the industry is ever going to be offended or annoyed that someone has reached out to them for help. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't, <laughs> and I'm sure Tom wouldn't either. Absolutely not. No, well, it's, it's it's validating, isn't it? I think. For a <laughs> I mean, not everyone has my ego, but it's uh, it is, it's, a, it's a vote that someone thinks you're, someone thinks you're worth learning from. I think that's yeah, a good ego boost for someone. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind talking about that uh, that moment when you st- started applying for jobs, your first your first positions? I know Ed struggled with this a, what, a lot. Is knowing or believing internally that you're ready, and yeah. at what point? what point do you go from someone who's I'm trying to learn this to someone who's I know how to do this I want to I, I want a job doing it I can't remember I can't remember <laughs> if I to take a really really good guess I would say that I didn't necessarily feel ready really um I so at the, so at the same time I didn't really feel pressured because I thought if I get a rejection um, that's fine. I, that, it wouldn't really reflect on me, you know, because if I didn't necessarily feel ready, then it's it's different. If if I thought, yes, I'm ready, ready to go, I can do this. Everyone's going to love me. This is going to be great. And then I got a rejection. That would be a lot, a lot more difficult. So I kind of went into it with this mindset of like, oh, you know, it's all casual. If something happens, great. If something doesn't happen, then I'm just going to, you know, go away and be happy and do some of my personal projects that I've already started. And um, I sort of did have the belief that I would get somewhere eventually. I think I've kind of always had this sort of internal belief that um, if I really wanted something, I would eventually get it. (laughs) It sort of served me well in the past. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just sort of. I don't know if I'd call it a sort of confidence or something. Um, 
I don't really know what I would call it, but... Well, it's good to have... You need a certain level of self-belief to, to apply for anything, I think, and that, that seems to sum it up quite nicely, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We hear a lot of stories of people who have, have spent, sent hundreds and hundreds of applications and it's taken them a long time and a lot of work and a lot of effort to get past that. And I, I want to hear your story. It sounds like you were served very well by taking the pressure off yourself. Like That's what like the main source of pressure for people and the source of worry and anxiety is their own fears about going forward in the process. Yes. Um, of course... As we know, like everyone is, everyone's situation is different. That's why it's really hard to sort of, you know, you can't really write a manual on this stuff. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was in the position where I also had a full-time job at the, at the same time. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, not having a web developer job because I already had a job. Whereas I know that some people... Um, they are currently unemployed and they, they want to, they feel therefore like a lot of pressure to get, um, to get their first developer job or, or whatever. So yeah, that, that was, that was my experience. I mean, I was really in a lucky position where I didn't have to feel too much pressure. Yeah. So I don't know what else to say about it really. I don't know how, what sort of advice I would give to people in that other sort of situation. What what advice would you give to people who were sort of, you know, really feeling under pressure, like financial pressure? It definitely changes the calculus. People, it does ramp up the worry. Um, I mean, I had to, to dive into a personal story. Uh, a few years ago, I was actually worked for a company that, that closed down like pretty, pretty quick. And we were like, oh, a week later, didn't have a job, need to find something desperately. Um, and it's a very different experience trying to find a job that way than when you've got the comfort of already being employed somewhere. Um, but I do think it is important not to jump at the first thing that comes along, but also <laughs> if you're in a position where you need to take something very, very quickly, having an awareness that once you've got one offer, in, like if you can get an offer in the bag, that's a, that's a really good safety net then you've 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 got a license to push your luck with other companies perhaps as long as you've got a, a, the time frame to to keep that first offer offer open so maybe don't snap don't bite the first hand that comes along but be glad that you've got it as an option no i i would say always if it's if you're changing career or you're starting a new career or something bite the first hand that comes oh, along okay because <laughs> <laughs> That would be my advice. Um, obviously, uh, make sure where you're applying to is a, a reputable company. But if if it is, I would say, I it's a very it's a very scary time. I mean, I was essentially unemployed. Um, I was a well, I wasn't was really unemployed, but I was a teacher, and you have to hand in your notice uh, in April so that you can leave and start a new job in like August. So it's, there's a quite a, there's a, a fair few months in it. So once I handed in my um, notice, I had maybe a few months until I would have no job. So that was quite a, a tense time where I was applying to places. Yeah. But I mean, luckily for me, um, I, I guess a bit like yourself, Amber, I, I kind of felt like I will get something eventually. <laughs> um, I felt I felt a fair level of confidence, I suppose. I, but I don't, I don't really know where that came from. Um, but yeah, just uh, applied 
if I I went for the first one that came along, I didn't apply somewhere and then think, oh, I'm going to hang around now and maybe apply to some other places. I thought, no, this is my first job. I'm changing career. I like th- th- what's going to give me more better look on a better look on my CV or something than actually having a job in this career that I I, I want to do. So I I would disagree with that. I mean, if other people may do different things that's fine <laughs> i think it's good that people who are, well, learning, I, are exposed to different opinions i think that's yeah that's i would be too scared to not take the first thing that came along <laughs> i totally see your point i i would like I, I, there's points you both made that i agree with but i um, may have to side with ed on this one sorry tom no that's fine no, that's, <laughs> so we're trying to get expert experts on that's what we're doing because we've, we've run out of knowledge internally <laughs> well certainly i have <laughs> thanks <laughs> I, I just would have felt so much better you know just if i could get any job you know as long as it's not a terrible place just so i could have that bit on my cv which said I've had a developer job. I'd feel much better applying to other places. Mm. That's a good point. There there is a huge gulf between no experience and even just a little bit of experience when it comes to trying to find something new as well. You you instantly at a higher rung of uh, a different bracket. Yeah, Yeah. and you got to remember, like I was, I was a teacher. I was teaching during the day. I was spending an hour or two in the evening learning how to code. As soon as you get that first job and you can go to it, you're going to spend forty hours plus a week not hopefully not at the job but 40 hours plus your own learning as well in the meantime and i i learned so much in the first couple of months of having a new job just because i was being exposed to so much of it and i'd not been exposed to that amount of it before right right yeah yeah when you get your first job as a developer you you're basically being paid to learn (laughs) yeah it's it's terrific (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that was a good couple of months, yeah. Where there's and there's no not really any expectations, especially maybe coming in as a junior. People people kind of know that you're not going to know that much, and you've just got that time to to learn. But you're you're doing it full time, like you say. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Well, that's we we have we have a uh, we're starting a tradition of uh, a final question for each of our guests, and you've you've given us so much advice already um, to people changing career. But what would maybe your top three tips be for uh, someone changing career? Okay, so um, I have a few. Um, may have covered a few already. Let's see. Ah, yeah, this is one of my favourite ones actually. Um, so, as a developer, it's a good thing to remember that you will always be learning. Like the learning will never stop. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll always be something new, whether it's something you know that's been established in the web world for a long time, or or a brand new thing that's come along in the web world. Like there'll always be something to learn. Um, and I think it's good to be comfortable with the knowledge that you'll never know everything. <laughs> There's not a single developer that knows everything. So another piece of advice that may come from that last point is that... So personally, at the beginning of being a developer, I was being bombarded with all these new things like, oh, what's an API? Oh, what's what does this piece of JavaScript do? Oh, what's this? And 
I was thinking, um, first of all, how am I ever going to learn this all? And second, what should I be focusing on? And that question has sort of been in the back of my mind for years now. And it's only now that I'm a few years in that I've kind of finally sort of started to go in a direction of focus. So like I said in my um, bio, um, I'm most interested in three things, which is performance, accessibility and security. I've realised more and more that I want to focus on these three things um, just from the experience that I've gotten and what I have enjoyed the most. Um, and I've also learned that um, it's a perfectly good and okay thing to eventually sort of focus more on one area because like I said I really think you just can't learn everything and if if you felt like you wanted to dive deeper into certain things especially things that you enjoy that's a really great thing to do and that's what I've been trying to do uh, the last few months and one thing I'll say is the deeper the dive I'm taking into these things <laughs> the more and more I'm discovering that there is to learn that's okay that's fine <laughs> I think that's a that's a universal truth about this uh, this work. I think it's always it's always deeper than I thought. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. okay. The third tip I would give is that um, while it may not be for everyone, I think documenting what you learn is a really good way to first of all sort of look back on what you have. Um, what you have learned and what you've done in the past because that it just comes so thick and fast that I feel like if I hadn't written things down, <laughs> hadn't documented them, then I would have been like, oh, did I ever learn that? Oh, what was I doing three years ago? It's all just like one big like mulch of, of things. And um, another good thing about documenting what you learn is that um, other people can sort of see it as well and they can they can comment on it give you feedback on it and basically it's a way that you can impress other people as well like here's what I've learned oh cool and on top of it like you can you can make what you learn public for sure so that gives you experience in like perhaps creating a blog site uh, it can be super simple but things I've learned from creating a blog is um, using different frameworks. Like I'm using Gatsby for my site, um, sort of like a, a framework to use with uh, with React, which I'm using at work. And it's taught me a lot about accessibility um, and performance as well, because I'm always wanting my site to be really performant and really accessible. And I feel like if I'm writing about these things, then it's going to be really embarrassing if my site is is terrible. <laughs> so it's it's sort of been like an indirect way of increasing my skills as well. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I was going to I was just going to ask about the documentation. So the way you documented stuff that you were learning, you just you made blog posts about it. Is that right? Yeah. Um, in the beginning, before I had my full-time job, I was I was that's when I was blogging the most. Um, sorry, before I had my job as my first job as a developer. Yeah, that, that's when I was blogging the most. Um, 
after I became a developer, I feel like I was just, you know, like you said, doing 40 hours a week. I was learning so much that I didn't, I didn't necessarily have time to blog as much. Um, it sort of became more of a conscious choice to blog once I had my first job. Uh, unfortunately, I never, uh, I never really got my blog off the ground. I think I've got three, three posts on there. It's never too <laughs> late. It's never too it's late. Pretty much. Get going uh, again. <laughs> I should. I should. <laughs> yeah, but then I just really want to reassure people that it's, it's absolutely not an essential thing. You could scribble down things you've learned on a on a napkin or something that you keep in a drawer somewhere, and like, it's just really terrific to look back on it and see. Oh yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff I was doing back then. And here's where I am now. It's like a like a good yardstick to sort of um, see how far you've come, which is also like a very gratifying thing. It's really nice when you're bombarded with so much stuff every day and then you're like, you can pick out something, you know, a solid thing that you've learned. It's, it feels really good. Yeah, I bet. That's good advice. Thanks. Well, Amber, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been really interesting chatting with you and I'm sure our listeners have got loads of good bits of advice and, the, um, and a fantastic three tips at the end there as well. Um, I've definitely I've definitely thought about a lot of things in a different way having spoken to you today. Um, so thank you. That's really lovely. Thank you. And you as well. <laughs> it's been great talking to you. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> So thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode. Uh, you can always find us on Twitter at AQO Code. Amber, did you want to shout out any ways people could get in touch with you if they wanted to? Yeah, the best way is probably through Twitter, actually. No, well, we'll, we'll put Sorry your... Sorry to uh, say. No, nothing, nothing wrong with that. So I'm, I'm the same. We'll put your Twitter handle in the show notes. Uh, same with your the link to your blog, if that's all right, because that's a great resource. Uh, yeah. I had a browse through. It's, really, it's a really nice piece of work. Um, Oh, thanks. Yeah. So you can find the show notes if you're listening. You can find those on our website, aqoc.dev or questionofcode.com. Uh, and also they'll be in your podcatcher of choice where you can uh, find all the ways to subscribe as well. So please do that and continue to tell your friends about the show and spread the word. It really does help. Thank you. Hmm. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.